Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories, we tell them live, and we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by Radcliffe Royds in March 2010, where the theme was Lost and Found. In the glorious summer of 1976, I lost a packet of cigarettes. The packet in question held two pieces of damning evidence which put me the wrong side of the school rules. The first item was my tuck box key. The second was a quantity of Lebanese red hashish. <laughs> I was sent home in disgrace, permanently. My father was absolutely furious, but after a suitable period of purder, decided to offer me a fresh start. The deal, as my father saw it, was that I would attend Wallace Tutors, a sixth form college of no repute, far away in Edinburgh. He had even arranged through the college for me to live in digs with Mr and Mrs Souter, my new keepers. My mother drove me all the way to my new abode, politely said, Hello! Spotted the schizophrenic shag pile carpet in fetching swirls of purple, brown and lime green and orange that covered my bedroom floor just as politely said goodbye and left me to my new life. The deal, as I saw it, was freedom! Mr and Mrs Souter, Brian and Maggie, owned a small bungalow where the most treasured possession was a tea-fouled chip fryer. Brian was of Italian descent, a taxi driver, and rarely at home. Unlike most taxi drivers I know, he was a very reticent man. Perhaps he used up his daily conversational quota on the job, or, more probably, he recognised that Maggie had more chatter than a whole cab rank and had long ago withdrawn from the competition. And Maggie was, as our American brethren would say, a whole different ball game. Maggie was outspoken, outrageous and out to lunch. Small, blonde and, to my ears, unintelligibly Scottish. Everything she cooked came with chips. I thought she was fantastic. She came into my room, plonked herself down on my bed chucked me a packet of fags and a lighter and started to speak at a million miles an hour. I understood one word in ten and adored her from the off. After feeding me, 
something and chips for tea, I set off to meet Rose, my girlfriend of the time. Rose was red-haired and attractive, as my mother would have put it, a supergirl and looks good in a saddle. <laughs> she was attending Dugdale's, a secretarial college in Edinburgh. This knowledge had been key to my decision not to put my foot down about attending a college in London. We were both so young, and it was incredibly exciting and grown up to at last be able to be together without parental supervision. My expectation of the evening was to arrive all sophisticated man about town and sweep her off her feet and see how she looked in that saddle. Rose, on the other hand, was looking forward to an evening of low-budget pizza and artful wooing. In fairness to Rose, she was certainly due some wooing. She had only recently decided to let bygones be bygones after the unfortunate affair of the summer ball. Like all educational establishments, Stowe hosted a vast extravaganza each July. I had arranged for two tickets to attend this black tie event. The event itself went off without a hitch, moving gracefully along like the governor's reception in Ferrero Rocher adverts, but it went without the attendance of either myself or Rose. Our non-attendance was the culmination of several factors, none of which paint me in a particularly favourable light. Accurate, maybe. Favourable, no. <laughs> At age 15, I was acutely fearful of being judged by my mates on my choice of girlfriend. Sadly, my low self-esteem overrode the physical evidence that Rose was an extremely attractive and winsome young lady. And having asked her to accompany me to the ball, I got cold feet and wanted desperately for my friends not to meet her. I lied to her with some nonsense about how I'd lost the tickets and it was a sellout, so no replacements could be had, and therefore, tragic as it was, I had to let her down. Plan B uh, involved helping out a friend. Jonathan had asked a girl who had caught his eye but would not attend if she could not bring her friend. Then, as now, it is well known by all guys that the friend was usually a B-team player who the babe liked to keep in tow to make her look good. <laughs> and it was therefore a duty with guys that mates, from time to time, would help out and ride shotgun on a double date in order to free up your mate to go after the babe. I agreed with Jonathan that I would escort the friend to the ball. I got to go to the ball without fear of being judged, plus I was seen to be helping out a mate. I could also be free to schmooze around the party looking for stragglers if the B-team proved too much. It was a wicked twist of fate that B-team fell foul to a glandular fever and would not be able to make it, and that the Babes' second-string support act brought in at the short notice happened to be Rose's best friend. As you can imagine, no amount of fancy footwork was going to stop Rose from finding out. So, biting the bullet, I telephoned to say, I had found the tickets. Rose and I were going to go to the ball after all. So when I was finally asked to leave the school just prior to the end of that term and was formally banned from attending the summer ball and had to explain for the second time why I could not escort her to the party as planned, Rose seemed to me unreasonably convinced that I had engineered my expulsion solely in order to get out of taking her. <laughs> it was only by my telling her that the, the reason I had worked so hard at getting my parents to allow me to attend college in Edinburgh was so that we could be together that there had been any thawing of the frost that had chilled an otherwise fabulous summer. Well, with my head full of lust and the butterflies in my tummy steadied by Maggie's chips, I lunged way too soon and was quite rightly and royally rebuffed. I hadn't learned to handle rejection well and went sulking off to, to drown my sorrows. 
When I fell into the dustbin store outside my digs in Craig and Tinney, it was Maggie herself who divested me of the assorted baked bean tins and yoghurt pots that had affixed themselves to my person, brushed off the uneaten remains of that night's chip mountain, steered me into the front room and persuaded me that the only sure cure for a hangover was a preemptive strike with a gin bottle. <laughs> By 3am I had learned two things. Firstly, that Maggie was a very dangerous woman. And secondly, why swirly carpets had been invented. Having fallen onto my bed, I had that ghastly accelerated spinning sensation that only alcoholic excess can produce, that all-consuming terror of the spins. The inevitable result was a cataclysmic puking, where for the third time that night, Maggie's chips reappeared, <laughs> along with half a bottle of gin, hand-in-hand with substantial quantities of McEwen's lager. Once the upheaval had abated and a little clarity had returned, I looked for the devastation beside my bed. The carpet, strangely, showed no sign of my recent exertions, <laughs> and thinking numbly to myself how odd, I fell willingly to sleep. It was Maggie's screech of horror that first alerted me to the new dawn. The clotting remains of last night's success were cunningly concealed within the swirls of the carpet and remained all but undetectable to the naked eye. To Maggie's naked feet, however, the putrefying mass was all too evident. After much bleach, apologising and general sorting, we retired to the kitchen. A closer inspection alerted Maggie to the decidedly shoddy state I was in, and aware of pressing time and my need to be alert for my first day at college, Maggie responded with the best solution she could think of. Returning from her bedroom, she produced a handful of pills to cure my hangover. By the time I reached college, I was peaking pleasantly. The chill factor of Valium really was most gratifying. <laughs> As I had taken them so soon after drinking, they worked fast. I was in no fit state to learn anything. In fact, I was struggling to stay upright outside the front door to the college when I was spotted by a fellow freshman, Greg Jones. Greg was also new that day, and, like me, was feeling nervous and keen to fit in. Greg, realising that I was a tad under the weather, steered me purposefully to the common room planted me securely on a chair and went for an initial recce. On his return, and with the assurance that things were pretty slack around here, therefore we could relax, he proceeded to assemble the makings of a three-skin joint. We decided that as it was our first day, it would be stronging it a bit if we lit up in the common room and re <laughs> retired to the fourth-floor rear balcony to smoke it. Our declared intention of having a quick blast, just to take the edge off, <laughs> was long forgotten by the time we were halfway through it and positively fossilised by lunchtime when we found ourselves still sprawled in a heap on the very same balcony. I was happy in the knowledge that, whilst I may have been chucked out of school, lost the respect of my family and just lost my girlfriend, I had found a friend. <laughs> For more stories or to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.